0: I am going to get this wrong, and I am scared to death. You see, it would be impossible for me to cover all the ground that needs to be covered in applying a biblical lens to the current events in the world that we see unfolding around us in just 20 to 25 minutes. And the other complexity to that is that each of us will view the events of the world through our own lens. What I want to attempt to do today uh, is to not give you this through a political lens. It's not gonna be through a conservative lens. It's not gonna be through a liberal lens. I'm not even gonna give you this through a conspiracy theory lens. But a biblical lens of a single posture of how we can respond as Christ followers to pain, heartache, and brokenness to the world around us. And that biblical posture is the posture of empathy. What I can't speak to at at this point is legislation that would need to be changed to change the things in the world that many of us may feel need to change. Uh, What I can't speak to is laws and systems that might need to change to, to make life be what we would maybe want it to be. What I can speak to this morning, though, is a biblical posture of our hearts. So today I'm asking uh, you for your grace in advance. For some today, I'll say too much. For others, I'll not say enough. And for some, I shouldn't say anything at all. But silence about sin is still sin. And I want you to hear me very clear today. Racism is real and racism is evil and racism is evil is a sin. Judging someone, treating someone differently based on the color of their skin is vile. You know, many of us grew up singing that song in Sunday school, red and yellow, black and white. We are what? We are precious in his sight. Everyone is made in the image of God and because of that, everyone deserves to be treated as image bearers of the Most High no matter who they are. Racism has no place in the church, and racism will not have any place in the kingdom of God. Paul writes this in Galatians 3. He says this, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, there is, uh, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You see, this is the plan, the model for the kingdom of God. But as we know from our Mark series, We live now in the in-between, in the already and the not yet. That some of the expressions of the kingdom of God that we long for, that we yearn for, that we hope for, that we wait for in our life, they are not full realities yet. So we as followers of Jesus have work to do. We have work to do cultivating the kingdom of God here on earth, and we have work to do to stamp out racism the same way that we would work to stamp out any sin that is prevalent in our church, our community, or world. This cannot be ignored. And so today we will look at one biblical posture that you and I can begin to embrace, and my prayer is that many of you have already embraced this, and that we can live this out as followers of Jesus, in our world, around our world, beginning today. So let's define terms, I wanna make sure we're clear here, is this, is that sympathy says, I have experienced what you are going through, and I'm here for you. When my wife's grandmother died a couple of years ago, I have had a grandmother pass away. I could look at her and say, I am sympathetic to you, I have been through this experience. But empathy says this, empathy says I have not experienced what you've gone through. And I'm here for you. So I ask today that you would draw a circle around yourself and that you would ask the Lord to reveal as the psalmist says, is there any offensive way in me? And James, the half-brother of Jesus, writes some very clear words about this biblical posture of empathy in James chapter one, verses 19 and 20. He says this, You must understand this, you must understand this, my beloved, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. You see, the first point I want you to understand about empathy is this, empathy says I'll be quick to listen. Empathy says, I'll be quick to listen. It's interesting that Jesus used the phrase repeatedly, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. You see, the act of listening is powerful because it puts the other person first. It communicates to the other person, I see you, I hear you. This is a posture of empathy, but it is also an expression of humility. Being quick to hear, being quick to listen means that I have to be quick to stop what I'm doing, to stop being so busy with my preoccupation and stop and be quick to hear, be quick to listen. You see, in our busy, fast-paced Instagram society, this is not an instinct that comes natural. C.S. Lewis had this to say about our instincts. He said this, telling us to obey instinct is like telling us to obey people. People say different things, so do instincts. Our instincts are at war. Each instinct, if you listen to it, will claim to be gratified at the expense of the rest. Our instinct to be quick to listen it has to be cultivated. We have to work at this. We have to strive together for this. You know, this happened in my own life even this week. Uh, Lyndall Brumley, our student director, came to the house and and she was meeting with me and my wife and we were sitting down at the table and and we were thinking through, you know, summer plans with students and and looking at some some creative ideas and and I had my computer out and as we were all talking I was kind of working away, you know, kind of developing some of these uh, creative ideas that we were thinking through and then Lyndall transitioned and began to tell a story that happened in her life this week and I began to kind of pick up on some of what she was saying and I had to force myself my instinct said stay focused here keep working on this keep creating this keep staying uh, on point that was what my instincts were telling me to do but my heart in that moment had to say "No, no no you need to stop doing what you're doing and you need to be quick to listen James gives us a picture that in our culture today is running upstream against the world. And it is timely for where we are in our society that we must be quick to listen. And if you are quick to listen, it means you are doing something else. You see, empathy says that I will be slow to speak. Empathy says I'll be slow to speak. I've heard it said many times before that God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. But this week in prepping for this message, I also read that, you know, he fenced that mouth in with lips and teeth for a reason. Guarding your words, being slow to speak, slow to talk. This idea of of taming the tongue, of bridling our words is a a theme for James. I just want to read a couple of passages just from the book of James. Listen to this, James 1 26. If anything they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. James 3, five through 12 says this. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits how great a force is set ablaze by a small fire and the tongue is fire the tongue is placed among your members as a world of iniquity it stains the whole body sets the on fire the cycle of nature and is itself set on fire by hell For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species. But no one can tame the tongue, a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord and Father, and with it, we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing, My brothers and sisters, this ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or grapevine figs? No more than salt water can yield fresh. I've been asking myself this question this week. Am I quick to speak or am I slow to speak? to speak. And then the follow-up question behind that is this, what am I speaking when I speak? Do I find myself in this season speaking more from the 24-hour news cycle or from my Instagram feed? Or do I find myself, what's what's coming out of my life, what's representative of my life is what it's coming from is a well of scripture. You see, we have free speech here in America. And I'm thankful for that free speech and I would defend free speech if it were threatened but freedom of speech in America has often been applied in this way freedom of much speech or freedom of harsh speech or freedom of any speech that I deem necessary to say whenever I want to say it and that is in direct conflict with what James is saying here that we should be slow to speak. You see, a posture of empathy says, I will be quick to hear, I will be quick to listen, and I will be slow to speak. It's important to understand, it doesn't mean you'll never speak. It doesn't mean that being slow to speak means you'll never speak back into a particular situation, but it would mean that when you speak, it is seasoned with grace. You know, for the last eight and a half years, I've had the opportunity to be a part of uh, investing in a couple of elementary schools in the Memphis City area. Uh, One is Ross Elementary and Germantown Elementary School now as Grace Hill Church here. And and I've been, uh, thankfully, I've had the opportunity to be deeply embedded in serving, seeking to understand the needs of the community and standing alongside the minority community in a very fragile school system. You know, and it's so easy for me to walk into these schools at the beginning and and begin to look around and say, hey, this is what we need to do and this is how we need to fix this and, and just talk, 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 blah, 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 blah. But one of the first things that that you'll learn about building relationships with people that you may not understand or know, one of the first things that you'll learn and one of the first things that I was taught was this, that an early step in building a bridge, building a relationship, is to ask a powerful question. And here is that question, help me see what you see. Help me see what you see. And here's what happens when you do that. You become quick to listen and you become slow to speak. And I would warmly challenge you to apply this idea, this biblical concept into your life this week. Meet with a person who looks different than you. Connect with a family who's adopted children that look different than your children and ask them this question, what do you see that I don't see? Help me see what you see and then see what changes your heart. We must be quick to listen and slow to speak. But then empathy also says this. Empathy says, I'll be slow to get angry. Proverbs seventeen twenty seven says this. One who speaks words is knowledgeable. One who spares words is knowledgeable. One who is cool in spirit has understanding. A commentator I read this week says this, uncontrolled anger leads to uncontrolled speech. You see, emotions are a product, they're a byproduct of the enti- our entire existence. And by God's grace, and through the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, our emotions can be bridled, they can be controlled in our life, and they can come in line with God's word and God's will, but in many times, in many places, in many circumstances, when we look into the world and we see chaos and confusion, and we don't understand a posture of empathy, to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, slow to get angry, brings those emotions in to check. What's interesting, too, about this Is it slow to get angry? Doesn't mean we won't ever get angry. There is a right time and place for our anger, but when we are quick to listen, don't miss this, when we are quick to listen and slow to speak, we will often become angry over the right things and become angry in the right ways because our anger has a posture of empathy because we are understanding. And why does this matter for our lives? Why do Why do you say what is this? What is this even? How does this play a part in my life? Well, James one twenty, the end of this little section gives us a clue into that. For your anger, your anger, your anger, does not produce God's righteousness. You see, God wants us to live lives of righteousness. He wants our lives to be holy, lives that produce God's righteousness. But our anger, our anger that is rooted in pride and arrogance does not produce the righteous life that God wants in our lives. Let me say it this way. Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to remain in the sin of your unrighteous anger as you look out into the world. You see, much of our anger comes from being self-centered and not others-centered. And empathy forces us to look at others and be others-centered and say, I will be quick to listen. I will be slow to speak. And I will be slow to get angry. Empathy says this just because I haven't experienced it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Empathy says just because I won't experience it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Empathy says just because I don't think it exists, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Empathy says just because I don't understand it doesn't mean I won't work hard to try. Empathy says just because it's hard to navigate doesn't mean I won't work hard to navigate it with you. You see, empathy forces us out of our comfort zones but it is a posture from Christ's followers that the world so desperately needs. To be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to get angry will often force us to talk to people who don't look like us and who come from the same starting place as we do. And here's the reality, is that if we are going to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn, it is right to take a posture of empathy. This happened to me this last week. It was a a stark, reality in my life Uh, I had a friend over uh, Monday evening uh, hanging out on the back porch it's a black brother of mine that I love very dearly and as he got ready to leave about 9 45 to head home he had to go get ready for work it dawned on both of us that there was a curfew in Germantown and that he would not make it home because the easiest way for him to go home would have been to go through Germantown but he would not make it home in time ahead of the curfew. And so we at 945 sitting in my driveway had to think through the best way for him to get home. And as I've shut his car door and he drove out of my driveway and headed to his house because we just didn't wanna take a risk with the height of everything and all of the emotions that are going on in our world right now, We we just didn't, I didn't want to see him take a risk of possibly getting stopped. And it hit me when I shut that car door that if I was at a friend's house at 9.45 and I had to drive through Germantown, I would never once think about getting stopped. I would never once think about how to get home other than what's the fastest way for me to get back to my house. That was a moment that confronted my understanding and it confronted my empathy. I'm encouraged by the story of John 11. Jesus goes, he shows up at the, the tomb of someone that he loves dearly. And he, what does he do? He weeps at the death of a friend. Death, I mean, this is a normal part of life. It news flash, we are all going to die at some point. And I think about the empathy that Jesus had as he showed up to this tomb, knowing that he was about to uh, demonstrate his power, knowing that in this moment he was about to do the miraculous and raise Lazarus from the dead. But I think about the empathy that he had as he wept, as he looked into the eyes of those grieving sisters and wept with them. Shouldn't we, as redeemed followers of Jesus Christ, carry a level of empathy in our lives towards those who are hurting and broken around us the same way that Jesus did to those grieving sisters who had lost their loved one? Let's pray together. God, I pray that where we may have ignorance of mind, that it would not produce absence of heart in times like these. God, I pray that our passion for you would burn bright, but that passion would set a flame in each one of us to ensure that every person that is made in your image would be treated with dignity, justice, kindness, and empathy. God, I pray that our understanding of the events in the world and community around us, and our posture to that world and community around us would not be fenced in by pride, but it would be open to what the leading of the Holy Spirit would say and speak into that understanding through the posture of empathy. And I pray that our hope would not be in legislation I pray that it wouldn't be in a political party, I pray that it wouldn't be in a presidential candidate, but that it would be, as Psalm 20 verse seven says, that some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. God, we have no confidence, I confess to you that I have no confidence that we can legislate hearts to be right. We cannot legislate the hearts of the world to be right with you. But apart from you, every heart in this world is dead. But God, we cannot legislate hearts to loving you and to change, but God, we pray that you would demonstrate your love for every single human being on the face of our planet through the love of your disciples that we have as we fight for those who need to be fought for, as we grieve for those who need to be grieved with, and we mourn with those who need to be mourned with in our community. God, we long for the day when there are no more tears, when there is no more pain, when there is no more injustice, and there is just forever worship of you around your throne with every tribe and every tongue and every nation. God, we ask that you revive hearts, but God, I ask that you start with me. And I would ask that you, sitting in your living room, your kitchen table, wherever you may be, would echo that prayer in your life today. God, we ask that you revive hearts, but that you start with me. God, I ask that you not do anything in anyone's life. The pride that needs tilling up, the complacency that needs to be rooted out, the excuses that need to be killed, I ask that you not do anything in anyone's life that you would not do in me first. And God, we pray the words of Jesus. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Grace Hill Podcast. We really hope you found this message compelling and inviting. If you'd like to connect with someone to find out more about Grace Hill Church, or maybe discuss this episode or something else about life or faith, please don't hesitate to reach out to us directly at gracehill901.com. We'd really love to connect and discuss anything with you. And please remember, you matter.